This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. This time in live and living color. Hi, Chad. I yeah. can see you. Hello. <laughs> this is strange. I'm not used to looking at people when I talk to them. Not when podcasting, well. <laughs> at least. <laughs> and in real life. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, yeah, this is our, our first live stream uh, for our Patreon subscribers. So if you subscribe for just like a dollar a month, then you could check us out, uh, like Katie said, in living color here uh, in our recording spaces. And uh yeah, it's almost a little distracting, but we'll get used yeah. to it here before long. But uh, yeah, you, there's a chance for you to tune in live. And then uh, if you aren't able to tune in live, you can go back and there will be video available to you, uh, subscribers, to go back and watch if you want to see the whole process, including all of our wonderful technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who can see, you can see that um, Chad's setup is far more impressive than my little dinky setup. But uh <laughs> We're clear across the country, so this is sort of how we make it work, um, podcasting yeah. from different time zones. So How the sausage get ma- gets made or something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. Well, we do have a pretty beefy episode with it being the season four finale, so we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, this is Goodbye, Toby. It aired on May 15th of 2008, was directed by Paul Feig, who has directed several episodes of the show at this point, and it was written by Jennifer Salata. Salota? I don't remember what we decided Salata. on. Salata. And Salata. Got it. Salata. Jennifer Salata and Paul Lieberstein, who is our Toby. <laughs> and Toby is moving to Costa Rica, and today is his last day at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. Filling Toby's spot is a new HR rep, Holly Flax. Believing he hates all HR personnel, automatically hates Holly until he realizes he's attracted to her. He spends the entire day trying not to profess his love for her, while planning a huge blowout party for Toby's last day. Jim plans to take advantage of the celebration to propose to Pam, but Andy beats him to the punch and proposes to Angela during the party. After the festivities and the proposal, Phyllis finds Angela and Dwight having sex in the office. And that's season four. Um... Yeah. Big episode. Yeah. It ends on a bang. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was pretty bad. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was, but anyway. It was good. <laughs> Thanks. So at the start of the episode, Michael's in great spirits because Toby's leaving. He got to work early. He greets Toby kindly. Uh, he shells out a lot of money just to throw a big going away party. If it was anyone but Michael throwing this for Toby, you might think that he actually misses him since he's going so all out on this celebration of Toby, as it were. Yeah, it's kind of weird because for, as you said, for anybody else, this would be such a like respectful, nice thing to do. Um, it's it's like, I don't know if if you lost if not if you lost your job, but if you if you uh, were leaving your job tomorrow and they threw a giant party for you, you would think that's a really nice thing. But we know <laughs> that this is a right. celebration to not have Toby anymore. It's not, you know, to honor Toby. Right. Uh, his song later in the episode that the the title references, uh, it's a parody of Goodbye Stranger by Supertramp. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is just Michael going all out and celebrating that Toby is finally gone. So uh, in regards to the new HR rep, as you mentioned in your summary, Holly Flax is new on staff uh, before he even gets a chance to meet her. 
he and Dwight are talking about how much they already hate her just because she's got Toby's approval and because she's in HR. And so uh, that's all the recipe that Michael needs to hate somebody. He thinks he hates all HR people. Um, and then she introduces herself to Michael and kind of oddly bashes Toby right in front of Toby, which I guess Toby is <laughs> used to. So it's not that big a news. But Michael realizes, oh, it's not HR that I hate. It's just Toby. Um, he's that awful. And so, of course, the woman's nice to Michael and he falls head over heels in love with her. Um, at least he thinks. Jim tries to talk some sense into him and says, hey, look, if you really think you like her, that's awesome. Pursue that, but very slowly, just like I got to know Pam, you know, years, maybe not years, but <laughs> uh, that might not be the way to do it like Jim did. But very mm. slowly over, you know, get to know her, become her friend. Um, the office is a great place to do that, he says. So Michael actually takes his advice, which is very good advice. Don't rush into it. Be her friend. And so he spends the whole day just kind of toning down his Michaelisms and um, right. trying to be a good friend. He even cuts off a that's what she said joke at some point, yeah. uh, which is <laughs> insane for Michael. But he's really trying to be respectful. Uh, and it, it, like, like you said, it's typical Michael fashion where he's just head over heels with somebody instantly, starts making jokes about having to kiss if they hunger from the ceiling, which is wrong. That's mistletoe. He asks if she's real or a hologram and then asks <laughs> automatically about her commute to work and offers to make her a mix. This is somebody he's known for the total of 10 minutes. And it's very awkward. She is sort of awkward in return and sort of timidly, yeah, sure, that would be okay, I suppose. Uh, and then we see him searching for songs on his computer right after that. He, he is just diving head over heels. Jim does talk some sense into him, and we wonder for a moment whether he's going to follow that. But when he goes back to the annex and finds Holly on the ground trying to reassemble the chair she's disassembled, uh, they have just nice conversation. and they end up uh, getting along really, really well. And Michael doesn't try to make a move on her, which is, again, I, I think that's a real testament to how maybe this is a little bit different than Jan or Carol were at this point. And every time I watch this episode, I think like, oh, Holly seems so... She's another woman that Michael's just gonna fail on, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like... She's just another nice lady who is unsuspecting of Michael's weirdness, but we get a little glimpse at Holly's personality here, and she's weird too, and that's a good sign as well. She kind of banters with Michael and um, gets his jokes that no one else seems to get, or if they do get, doesn't enjoy. She enjoys them, and they're laughing, and they might be a good match. So that's kind of fun to see Michael take that slowly and not just jump the gun and you know, propose <laughs> the first day he meets yep. her and which we would know him to do in the past. So. Right. She, she does the whole pointing out where the reference comes from right after making the reference with the, like he uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the comedian. Um, uh, I, I have it written down somewhere. It's the John Lovitz. Yeah. Uh, uh, acting or something like that. Acting. Uh, so she, <laughs> They're doing that together, and then she goes, yeah, that's love it. And he goes, well, yeah. Love it, uh, yeah. So she, she falls right into step with Michael, and over the course of the episode, they really do uh, 
fall right in sync with each other. And still, Michael doesn't push anything, almost to the point of uh, becoming oblivious. And there are other things that happen with Michael uh, towards the end, but it really is astounding to see how much he changes just to try and woo this woman without wooing her. She even hints, I think, several times through the episode. Um, it's insinuating that she might find him attractive too, but Michael, as you said, is pretty oblivious to that. Um, probably to his benefit. I mean, it's probably a good thing that he <laughs> yeah. didn't notice. Uh, and towards the end, she touches his arm, and we have a talking head, which is pretty cute. He's just freaking out. He's like, I, I don't know what to do when a woman touches my arm. Jan didn't believe in that, and I like it. Mm. <laughs> and he's just freaking out <laughs> that... Uh, even in a friendly manner, which to him is all that was, that she touched his arm just playfully, um, he freaks out. It's, it's cool. I like to see him happy. And then at the very end, between the two of them, uh, she pretty explicitly invites Michael out on a date. It's the end of the night. She says, I, I'm surprisingly not full. I was thinking about going out to get dessert. And that, that's Michael's cue. Oh, let's go to this place together and enjoy each other's company. But Michael just sort of says, oh, you know, you should go here. I've heard it's good. Ask Stanley about it. She says, okay, well, I'll go do that. And then Kevin steps in. And there was a the whole thing with Kevin, which we'll talk about. But uh, he, it, I, don't, I don't think it's shutting her down. I really do think it's obliviousness, especially considering the other events that transpire. And we can go ahead and say it. Uh, Jan makes an appearance at the end of this episode at the grocery store when Kevin goes to buy more barbecue sauce and he summons Michael there and we find out that she is pregnant and you would think oh with Michael's child no because Jan wouldn't even dream of having Michael's child this is maybe the most messed up thing I I, I can't decide <laughs> because she's done so many <laughs> messed up things um, but she's very pregnant. She's, I mean, large and showing, um, mm -hmm. which means that it was while Michael and Jan were together that she got pregnant. And Michael notices that very quickly and says, I'm thrilled. And Jan says, well, why? He goes, well, this clearly happened. We were together. So it's mine. She says, well, no, it's actually not yours. And then as he says, one of my favorite lines from the whole series. You cheated on me when I specifically asked you not to, which is a great That's line. So innocent of him. I love that one. Um, and she says, "No, that wasn't it either." And he says, "Well, I can't figure out what other scenario there would be. You didn't cheat on me, and it's not mine. So what is it?" And she went to a sperm bank and got a sperm donor while she was with Michael. And didn't even say anything. And it's just... All I can think about is the end of dinner party, or it's not even the end, it's the middle of dinner party, when she, we learn about the vasectomies and how yeah. Michael was doing all this stuff to, to accommodate what Jan wanted. And we've known this whole time, Michael is lonely as all get out and wants a family. That's, that's his end goal, not just sex, not just a woman by his side, but to have the full-fledged family, to have the whole package. And Jan knew that. It's not like Michael keeps it a secret. And she goes back and forth a couple times between wanting kids, not wanting kids. And so he has vasectomies three times. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. 
And then we also find out in this episode, he says, you were always very cautious, made me wear two condoms, which means that uh, things probably weren't all that great for him uh, in, in this situation. And so all of this effort to not have a child, but it's not just to not have a child, it's not have Michael's child. And she saw, sought out something, sought out an alternative. And for Michael to learn that, I, I just feel really bad for the guy. It's one of the most pathological things I think Jan does in the entire series. I mean, it's really just gross. Um, and she's, mm-hmm. well, it's not just a sperm bank. Like, it's a really great sperm bank. Okay, well, you still put your boyfriend through hell just not to have a kid with him. And you wanted kids all along. And if you want kids that badly... And you're with somebody who want ki- who wants kids that badly, but you don't want his kids. Maybe that's not the guy for you. And maybe we should have mm-hmm. figured this out a long time ago. Um, yeah. And it's just painful. But they work it out. And Jan and Michael are okay. And she invites him to a Lamaze class. Um, and he accepts. And so he kind of has delusions that he is this baby's father, which he is not. <laughs> But he's kind of putting himself in that role because the father is not in the picture. And yeah, so they're kind of oddly happy. And that's good, I guess. I, 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 guess. <laughs> I, I think the exact phrase he uses is, I'm going to be kind of a daddy. Yeah. Which, no, like there, there's all or none. Um, you're, you're not. I mean, I, there's adoption, <laughs> but there's no way Jan's going to let him even adopt this kid. Oh, no. Um, uh, and her her talking head regarding all of this, where mm. she says something to the effect of, yeah, I mean, if I was in my 20s and had a bunch of time to have a bunch of kids, let's let Michael take a stab at one of them. But I don't have the time. Something like that. This yeah, one needs I have to, to make count. this one count. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh it's a person. <laughs> <laughs> they all um, have to count. <laughs> there was one moment earlier in the episode between Michael and Dwight I just wanted to mention uh, when Michael and they're, they're talking about how they're already going to hate Holly, even though they haven't met her yet. So Michael says this and then Dwight echoes it and Michael calls him out on it. He says, what about her? Don't you like, why do you hate her? And Dwight doesn't have an answer. He sort of stumbles through something fake. And Michael says, you know, I think sometimes you say things just to agree with me. Dwight asks, is that a bad thing? Michael says, yes, it is. Just have an original thought. And that's very much like his reaction to Andy at the end of the return that eventually leads up to, Andy saying, sorry to bother you with my friendship and uh, punch a hole in the wall. Of course, that Jim had something to do with that as well. But it's uh, telling that Michael is very keen on when somebody is sucking up to him and when they're not. Mm. And yeah, so I and wanted to mention that. It's what we've all been saying, you know, not just us two, but everyone who watches the show, everyone who watches the show says, you know, Dwight's a yes man. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of fun, not fun, but it's interesting seeing Michael um, finally call him out for that, because that's really the first time this has mm-hmm. happened, and Dwight's kind of hurt a little bit by that. Um, because, yeah, he's a total yes man. He respects Michael so much and values his friendship that he just does anything Michael wants him to do and agrees with him wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> and then to lighten that up a little bit, he says... Uh, well, I, I agree she does have a weird head or something like that because yeah. <laughs> Dwight kind of stumbled and said, well, her head's weird or something. Um, <laughs> so it was a little stab towards Dwight, but nothing they can't get over. 
And then one more smaller Michael moment uh, that gave us a little bit of a glimpse into maybe exactly why Michael hates Toby, um, aside from just him being Toby. It's when he first actually meets Holly, he says, my job is to make the office fun. Your job is to make the office lame. And we have an eternal struggle, you and I, and only one of us can be the winner. And spoiler alert, I'm going to win. And that's right before Holly starts sort of taking his side and going along with the bullying of Toby. But I just thought that was a, a small little insight into this is just Michael's outlook on the whole thing. His job as the boss is to keep people uh, entertained, keep morale high, and Toby is there to enforce rules. And that's that's where their conflict comes from. Uh, speaking of Dwight and Holly for a second, because we talked about both of those characters. Um, mm-hmm. Michael and Dwight, towards the beginning of the episode, decide that they're going to prank or haze Holly uh, because she's, you know, the new HR rep. After Michael, you know, in three and a half seconds, falls deeply in love with her, decides not to haze her, but Dwight keeps doing it. And so throughout the episode, we get these little pranks. Um, One of which I guess we can talk about now is the whole Kevin thing. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, it's rough. Dwight tells Holly that Kevin was hired at Dunder Mifflin under some sort of program because mm-hmm. he is um, essentially mentally handicapped. Right. And Holly, you know, doesn't know Kevin and believes Dwight and spends the whole day just in awe of Kevin's capabilities, I guess you could say. <laughs> and amazed that he drives a car and that he does the numbers, as Kevin puts it. He's not helping his own case. Um, but oh, it's it's bad. <laughs> it is bad. It, it, it's it's kind of sad that it's such a believable lie. Uh, yeah. It's kind of genius of Dwight to to pass that off as truth because I mean Kevin is a unique individual. He's not unique in that way, but uh, it's it's definitely not hard to believe that he might be uh, special needs in some way. Uh, my favorite moment that does come from that gag in this episode is when she's helping him at the vending machine and uh, she says, let's see how much you have. And she's looking through the change in his hand and she holds up a button. She goes, this is a button. And then just places it back down and continues <laughs> counting. It's like, there's no beratement. It's just like, just so you know, this is a button. Just and then continue don't use on. this. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we get that great and gross talking head later on with Kevin. Um, who also has taken to Holly. He says, mm-hmm. I am totally going to bang Holly. She's cute <laughs> and helpful, and she seems really into me. <laughs> he's just, yeah. he's taken her, her interest in him as interest in him, which it is not a romantic or sexual interest at all. She's pitying him, basically. And yeah. uh, he has taken that as she's so into him. <laughs> right. Going on to other characters... We have Jim and Pam. Pam has been accepted into the Pratt School of Design, which is, I think, the the program that was first mentioned back in Boys and Girls in like season two by Jan mm-hmm. and Roy shut it down. Um, and so she's super excited. Jim is super excited for her. And then the 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 bomb drops. Oh, just so you know, that means I'm going to be spending three months away from you to take place in this design school, this design program. And he says, you know, it, that's okay. It sucks, but it'll be great. And she echoes that. Yeah, it sucks, but it'll be great. And I just couldn't help but imagine this would never have been a possibility with Roy in the picture. Uh, 
And she even says if, if things weren't so solid with Jim now, then she wouldn't even consider it. But thankfully, things are going well with Jim. He's very different from Roy. And he's been encouraging this since Boys and Girls. And it's glad I, I'm glad that she's finally in the program and is going to seemingly do something with it. Yeah, it's exciting that we're finally getting like Pam's interests are coming to light. She can actually go and pursue it. And it's not just a hobby anymore. She is going to school for it now. And it's in New York, but they live in Scranton. It's like a hour and a half train ride, I think, to mm-hmm. Philadelphia anyway, from here. Yeah. It's totally doable. Um, so the fact that Roy wouldn't even consider it is ridiculous. I mean, if you mm-hmm. really wanted to like see someone that day, even you can just hop on a train. It's really easy. Um, and Jim knows that. And he says, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. And it's three months. It's not like, that's really not that long, honestly. Um, so that's really cool for her. Really cool for him. Um, and then of course we have sort of another storyline with Jim going on. And I didn't even mention it in my, uh, overview of the episode. We have the whole Jim Ryan situation. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really Ryan's situation. So Ryan, so we've been talking about Dunder Mifflin Infinity, the website. Mm-hmm. We've seen Ryan really get on Jim's back the last few episodes, and we've also seen him subtly written anyway. He's been pretty blatant about it to the employees, but the writing of the show made it pretty subtle, and it, I think it was really well done. He's been pestering people to input sales as store sales and as website sales. Mm -hmm. And this has been going on. He said it a few times since the website launched. Website hasn't been doing well. This is all to boost the impression of sales on the website. So as Oscar puts it, that's called fraud. That's called misleading the shareholders and it's Mm -hmm. illegal. So Ryan gets caught and arrested and sent to jail. (laughs) So big, big plot point for Ryan here. Um, And Ryan's been getting on Jim's back at the beginning of this episode. And um, Jim leaves him a voicemail that says, like, you know, this is after Jim decides uh, to propose to Pam. He says, you know what? You can't get rid of me. I, um, I do value this job. I know you don't think I do, but I do. And I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it goes, goes to voicemail. And uh, then we see Ryan, of course, being escorted by the police. My least favorite moment of all of that is when Jim makes the call to Ryan and says, hey, I made this big sale, been working on it really hard. I uh, just wanted to let you know I'm I'm trying and I'm making more of an effort and things are going well. And Ryan says, congratulations. And Jim says, thanks. And Ryan says, don't interrupt me. Mm. Congratulations on doing your job. Uh, man, he's just the worst. And he's so worst. For, for for Jim to later leave that scathing voicemail and saying, you know, basically, screw off, man, because you may not think I care. I you may you may not think I care about this job, but I I do, and I'm going to fight back. And and later, after this whole thing has transpired and Ryan's now in jail, we find out, uh Jim leaves another call very smug smugly. And uh <laughs> says, oh, uh, yeah, don't worry about that. I'll talk to you later. Good luck with everything. 
we're 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 cool or whatever. I, I don't remember exactly what he said. I didn't write your, it down. Uh, your hands are tied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your hands are tied yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> and great. so uh, it, it's nice that that Jim does have that little moment of redemption, and maybe that means we can see Jim being a little bit more free spirited at work again. Because he can pretty much say whatever he wants to to Ryan at this point, because uh, Ryan's not gonna be. I, I think I can say this without having any spoilers. If you get arrested for fraud working for a company, you're probably not going to be working at that company um, yeah. anymore. So I think Jim can say whatever he really wants to to Ryan yeah. without any <laughs> consequences at this point. So he leaves that little stabbing e- or uh, voicemail rather. Going on to other characters, we've got Angela, who. Uh, in planning this going away party for Toby has come up with a cake and that's pretty much it. And Michael wants this to be this big affair, this big, uh, big celebration. And she just refuses to cater to Michael's wants for the party. Uh, so he offers the job to Phyllis to plan the party and Phyllis very eagerly accepts. And Angela is livid. <laughs> she is not excited about Phyllis having any sort of say so in any sort of party because it's not her job. She, Angela, is the head of the party planning committee. And how dare anybody else uh, take her off her throne? But Phyllis eventually has to come to her for a list of vendors. And Angela had shredded the list of vendors just sort of out of spite. And Phyllis, uh, poor Phyllis, she's so stressed at many times in this episode, and we see a couple more in the deleted scenes. Uh, but every time she gets angry, she apologizes. She, she can't commit to anger, um, which does come into play later in the, se- or in the next season as well. Um, but, you know, that, that scene at the accounting department where Angela has shredded the list, Phyllis walks away after pushing over a small stack of books and then says sorry as she's walking away because she can't, (laughs) even to Angela, who treats her terribly, Phyllis can't say uh, or can't do something and not apologize for it. This made me laugh. um, (laughs) This made me laugh thinking about Angela freaking out over this party. Um, When I really thought about it, all of Angela's parties are the exact same. She has a cake, she has some chips and snacks and maybe some different colored streamers than the last party, but that's essentially it. And it's pretty comical that Michael asking her to do anything other than that, she just can't, can't mm-hmm. think about it. She can't do it. It's far too much. Um, and then Phyllis, I mean, granted, she's very stressed because she threw together this party in a day and it ended up being awesome. It looked so fun. There was a, a freaking Ferris wheel. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. Ferris, uh, yeah, a Ferris wheel, a, like a moon bounce or a bouncy castle, whatever you call them. Bunch of food vendors. I mean, it looked like an awesome party, actually. Fireworks, um, TBD on, on, on the fireworks. But this huge party, and Phyllis like, threw it together in an afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's almost draws into the question, the idea of a party planning committee, if there's not really much planning going on, since it's just a copy every time. Right. And continuing on with Angela, at the end of the night, she is engaged because Andy hijacked Jim's moment that he had set up with fireworks. You just mentioned Uh, Jim had given Phyllis a few extra bucks and said, hey, let's let's do some fireworks, because talking to Michael earlier about taking it slow with Holly, 
Jim had been talking for a few episodes about wanting to propose and having had the ring since the week after they started dating. Um, and he realizes that the office is the perfect place to propose. And what better time to propose than at this party with fireworks going off because they met there. They got to know each other there. They ate lunch together for the first time there. They kissed for the first time in the parking lot and in the office. They have a lot of memories built into their relationship at the office. So it really is the perfect spot. And Jim plans this and it just uh, does not go to plan. And it would have been extra perfect because Pam's about to leave for three months. And I think he really wants to propose before she leaves so that they have that like foundation or whatever. And he can't do it while she's there because it won't be at the office and um yeah and then andy and angela who barely even seem to like each other get engaged and pam is really bummed um because she kind of had this feeling she saw the fireworks and kind of saw how jim was acting and she was like is he going to propose tonight i think he is and she was getting herself really excited and then and then it didn't happen so Especially to see Angela and Andy, who, like I said, barely tolerate each other, get engaged, um, must have stung a little bit. And for Andy to do this so spur of the moment, because he says, you know, I've been carrying around this ring for six years because you never know when you're going to be with the right girl and have the right moment. And so it, it wasn't something that he planned at all. It was just like, oh, we're sitting here. I'm next to Angela. I think she's pretty and I like her. And I have a ring in my pocket and there's fireworks going off. So sure, let's propose now. Why not? And here Jim was having shelled out the money for the fireworks and having planned for a while now to propose and knowing who he bought the ring for in the first place. And he's just been carrying around a ring like it wasn't bought for anybody in particular. So that stings too, knowing that Jim was prepared to propose and Andy just, oh, yeah, this seems like an OK moment. And even then, Angela just says, okay, like that, that's it. It's hardly an enthusiastic yes. If my future fiance was a bigger fan of The Office, like hypothetically, if he got the reference, I think it'd be hilarious to say, okay, <laughs> but I might not be engaged if I did. So, <laughs> um, I wondered if. Andy really if it was spur of the moment because his parents are there um and I know he carries I I couldn't decide because he carries around the ring for years which would make it seem spur of the moment but why else would his parents be at the party I hadn't decided um it could be either way I he does say like you never know when you're gonna meet the right girl but I don't know something makes me think that he planned it um but it would seem weird as well because Angela just doesn't unless it's off camera she just doesn't show any feelings towards him at all yeah I I, I don't know um it is that is a difficult argument to make whether Andy did plan it or not because nobody knew this party was going to be this big either as we were talking about at the start Angela was just planning a basic cake typical office party so I don't know maybe Mm. Andy decided like two hours into the party and yeah. called his parents and they came and made it for the firework. I don't know. True. Uh, in any case, they stole the moment from Jim and Pam. Yeah. Um, but let's see if there's anything else I want to say. Oh, I, I love how Andy 
uh, comes up to Jim and he's really excited. Yeah, I'm engaged. And he says, Mr. Andrew Bernard. That's <laughs> got a nice ring. ring to it. That, that, that okay. Yeah. That, I don't it's need to say name. what's wrong with that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the big bang of the episode. Um, yeah. Right after getting engaged to yeah. the man she, those of you who are watching on video can see my air quotes, loves. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, Phyllis walks in on Angela and Dwight in the middle of the office, like not even mm-hmm. in the break room or the bathroom or anything. Like they are in the middle of the office having sex. Yeah. And but the naked. money shot is uh, <laughs> we, we actually see Angela reach her arm around of uh, Dwight's neck and boom, there's an engagement ring right there. Yeah. And here they are uh, going at each other with her fresh engagement ring from another man on her finger. So that's yeah. how the episode ends. That's how the season ends. Yeah, th- that too. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we didn't have to wait a long time. In between, or I didn't, <laughs> at least. I wasn't watching live. Yeah. But uh, one last character thing I suppose we should mention, Toby himself, since this is sort of his goodbye episode, uh, yeah, have, he well, is Toby. desperate for a picture of Pam. It's the most pathetic thing in the world. Uh, he goes up to reception and she gives him a picture and says, hey, here's a picture of all of us for you to take with you to Costa Rica uh, so you can remember us. And he looks and he says, oh, well, you're not in this. Well, yeah, somebody had to take the picture. And so he says, well, let's take a picture together. And it's a sign of the times. This is only a year after the iPhone originally launched. And so not everybody had relatively quality cameras in their pockets at all times at the time. And uh, so he shouts out, does anybody have a camera? <laughs> and he, he sounds so desperate. Nobody has He's a camera. Like panicked. Yeah. And then later at the episode, uh, at the end of the party, he comes up and he's got a camera now and more on that in the deleted scenes, but he's got a camera and uh, Pam, well, she's upset because Jim didn't propose after all. Uh, but it's just a little bit of an awkward situation too to to be standing so close to Toby, who just a couple of episodes ago groped her leg uh, while they were sitting right next to Jim, uh, of all people. But that that crush is finally sort of played out at this point. I guess it, whether it was or is or or was not, he's moving to Costa Rica, so that yeah. puts an end to that. At least, uh, being in the same space won't be torturous to him anymore what about funny moments how about you start us off uh we have the cold open of course jim forwards dwight's cell phone to jim's uh headset he has like a bluetooth headset uh which dwight can't figure out it drives him crazy um and so he says fine i'll just forward everything from my cell phone to my desk phone and jim had thought of that as well and forwarded dwight's desk phone to jim's work phone makes more sense if you watch it that was a lot of words but um basically dwight just can't answer any of his phones and uh jim takes a call from supposedly uh dwight's mom he says Mm -hmm. hello mother i have married (laughs) tell (laughs) father and dwight just (laughs) he just like freezes uh my favorite part of that exchange is when uh pam calls Dwight and yeah. Dwight is, finds it necessary to shout across the room to Pam who can see both of them 
uh, no, you're not talking to Dwight right now. She just says, I'm confused. I'm confused. Uh, you sound so handsome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael tells the story of how his Nana sends him a $50 check for his birthday every year. But this year she sent nine or 10 checks so far. And he knew he wanted to save it for something. And so he decided on a motorcycle. So where's your motorcycle? Well, he put the money in his shoe for some reason. Because, you know, why would you use a wallet? And he forgets about it in his shoe until the very instance of Toby's party. And he's happily humming a tune as he removes the shoe from his foot and lifts out the inner sole and then pulls out the money and hands it over to Angela. It's just the strangest little scene, but it's, it's pretty funny, too. Uh, speaking of the party planning, um, as far as Angela's sad little party goes, she had planned a slideshow of Toby, but they had two pictures of Toby <laughs> from all of his years at the office. And so just the idea of a slideshow and just two pictures flipping back and forth um, <laughs> is just pretty funny to me. And the best part is that they they were two pictures of him standing in the same spot, probably taken in the same moment. Like they ambushed him for yeah. pictures for the slideshow. Side so if it was just the two of them, it'd like he'd be posing between two poses in the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> it was like he was taking a step. It was just like half a second from the first picture. It was just sad. Uh, Michael has a talking head where he says, thanks to Toby, I have a very strong prejudice against human resources. I believe that the department is a breeding ground for monsters. What I fail to consider, though, is that not all monsters are bad. Like E.T. <laughs> is Holly our extraterrestrial? Maybe. Or maybe she's just an awesome woman from this planet. My favorite part is that he goes, not all monsters are bad. Like E.T. E.T. stands for extraterrestrial. And most people would just refer to E.T. as an alien. And for some reason, that the, the instant change from monster to E.T. and those paired together uh, really made me laugh tonight. I, I laughed pretty hard. Uh, Holly is kind of moving into Toby's desk and has a problem with Toby's chair. So she tries to fix the lumbar support and one thing leads to another. And she ends up taking the whole chair, chair apart just to fix what went wrong. And um, Michael goes in and starts helping her and uh, taking it slow. And we pan in and the, and the chair is just completely disassembled. Like, I think the actual back of the chair is in two pieces like you see unfinished wood like it's mm -hmm. just completely far more disassembled than it should be and toby walks in and sees them on the ground and he just goes what'd you guys do <laughs> it just gets me every time like i'm not gone yet this is still my chair <laughs> i love michael's goodbye stranger parody which isn't a parody at all because the only lyric he changes is from stranger to toby <laughs> Like, if you look at the lyrics that he sings versus the lyrics of the actual song, he's literally just singing the song with Toby instead of Stranger. So that makes me laugh as well. Um, and he's, like, and manically, like, sweating and, like, yeah. smiling. <laughs> he, he does improvise a little bit. It breaks away from the song as he goes down to the dance floor and is, like, lunging around. Toby! 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 <laughs> Toby he's going away! He's... Moments like that just make me love Steve Carell. He was, mm -hmm. He's just so funny. He's just frantically like, it's like he's on drugs. Like he's just right. so excited that Toby's leaving. Um, I also love that Creed takes offense when Holly asks him what he does at Dunder Mifflin. He says, she's asking about stuff that's nobody's business. And he also can't remember what it is he's supposed what to be doing. Job is. 
he he stumbles over the word quality several times. He's qua quar qual quabity quabity assuance. Says that's that's not it, but it's close. We're getting there. Uh, sorry, Michael is um so taken with Holly, and he has a talking head where he's convincing himself. What she's such a warm person. She's so nice and so warm. And he goes, I'm pretty sure she's worked in a bakery. <laughs> I mean, she's so simple and nice and warm. I'm pretty sure she's baked on a professional level. And he's just convinced himself <laughs> that she was a baker because no one else is that nice. He just has this like fairy tale idea of like the nicest woman. And, you know, she's always the, the baker's wife or whatever. And right. It's just <laughs> funny. The last one I have, um, is a small one that I hadn't noticed before. But when Dwight puts the raccoon in Holly's car, he has help from Meredith. And we see the reason for that in the deleted scenes. Uh, but Michael tells him off and Dwight says, well, it's not rabid. And Meredith says, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> and that's just a flashback to the Michael Scott's Dunder Mifflin Scranton, Meredith Palmer Memorial Celebrity Rabies Awareness Fun Run Race for the Cure, way back Meredith. in episode one. <laughs> So uh, that was just yeah. a small little line, but uh, I, I thought it was funny that Meredith acknowledged the whole rabies thing. <laughs> uh, last one for me, I guess, is the anti-gravity machine that Michael really wants for the party. <laughs> he, uh, he saw it in a movie, and you drink a potion and you start to float, which um, it sounds I think like anyone Wonka can guess. Me. It sounds like Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah. I think that's where he got this anti-gravity machine. And the fact that that's what he took from Willy Wonka of all the <laughs> fantastic like eccentric ideas in Willy Wonka. Um, that scene always scared me, frankly. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty funny that he wanted the, the fizzy lifting drink, I think is what it yeah. was called. <laughs> and the, the funnier part, even to me is that Phyllis makes the call asking about <laughs> an anti-gravity machine. Like she, she hangs onto this hope that it might actually be real just because Michael wants it. And so she asks about it and uh, no such luck. And they refer her to antidepressants, and she says, <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> I can yeah. get info on that. <laughs> what about deleted scenes? A deleted scenes. Kevin tells Phyllis that he has some good news. Uh, the band is available to play Toby's going away party that night. Phyllis says, you know what? No, after what you did at my wedding, I'm never going to hire you. Kevin says, like, dude, that wasn't my fault. She goes, no, 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 I'm talking about... Um, the fact that you sang 30 police songs all off key and off tempo with half the words wrong is unacceptable. Um, and, uh, yeah, apparently he ruined Phyllis's wedding. And so she just refuses to, to book him ever again. He, he tries to justify it. He says, no, that was Scrantonicity. I'm now in yeah. Scrantonicity too. And she <laughs> says, yeah, like that has anything to do with anything. Uh, yeah. That was pretty funny. But again, uh, Kevin storms off because he says, well, I'm sorry I ruined your wedding. And Phyllis says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not what I was saying. So she apologizes Kevin. even to Kevin there. Um, Toby uh, introduces Holly to Jim and Pam. Uh, Holly says, oh, yes, Toby spoke very highly of you, Pam. And Jim asks, and apparently the only thing Toby said about Jim was, oh, yeah, he's a good salesman. And then Jim immediately has a talking head about how, yeah, Toby and I got along. We were, we were fine with each other, but I don't think we're going to keep in touch. But he guesses that he'll hear a lot about 
Toby from Pam, insinuating that he recognizes Toby's infatuation with her and assumes that there's probably still going to be uh, at least attempted contact from Toby to Pam as he's gone. The saga of the camera hunt is continued Mm. in the deleted scenes. Toby returns to work, presumably later in the day, with an expensive camera. He buys like a proper DSLR, like fancy camera. And um, he like proudly marches up to reception. He's like, mind if we get a picture? And um, Jim and Pam, of course, are behind the desk and assume that he's asking for a picture of them. And so they kind of pose for a photo and he takes the photo and he says, okay, now do you mind? It's really easy to use. And Jim says, oh, standing up. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So they stand up. (laughs) He takes another picture and he walks away and barely audibly, he says, waste of money. (laughs) Right. The the funny part about that scene to me is that he like doesn't even try to take pictures. It's just like, oh, they misunderstood (laughs) me. So lift, snap, put it away. Um, Jim has the talking head you know he's been worried about this whole firing thing uh, and apparently the website is down so he can't input the sales into the website like Ryan wants him to and then he has a talking head he says you know am I crazy or did Ryan used to be the temp here and the only two things I remember him ever doing were that he started a fire and he grew a beard and it's not even a good beard (laughs) (laughs) and Oscar has something to say about that beard as well uh, I think it's in a deleted scene as well. He says, yeah, I think the real crime. No, it was in the episode. He says the real crime was the beard. Yeah. After talking about yeah. fraud. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Angela gets a little vengeance during the deleted scenes. She, it, it looks like she's going to be a good friend to Phyllis and Phyllis has run out of barbecue sauce. And so Angela says, you know what? I'll go get you barbecue sauce. And Phyllis says, really? Like, that's so nice. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I know we had our little hitch at the beginning, but like, thank you so much. Angela says, yes, anything, of course, for the party planning committee. And so some time passes. Phyllis goes back and says, okay, thank you. Where's, where's the sauce? Angela says, now you know what it feels like to have an incompetent assistant. Because she didn't, didn't go get the sauce uh, on purpose. The worst. And yet, not the worst thing she's done this episode. <laughs> no, not, uh, unfortunately not. Uh, I think yeah. the, the having sex with somebody who's not your recent fiancé probably takes yeah. the cake. <laughs> um, possibly my favorite deleted scene from this episode is just a really sweet one. Uh, I talked about how Phyllis is stressed a lot of this episode. And so she and Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration are in the parking lot trying to figure out sort of the layout of the party and where they're going to put all the attractions and the food and the Ferris wheel and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Bob mentions, well, you don't have enough food. She says, well, that's all I have in the budget. He says, it's just a matter of money. And he pulls out some money and gives her money for more food. She asks, what would I do without you? And he says, I hope you never have to find out. And they kiss. And it's adorable. It's pretty good. We don't get a whole lot of Bob, but he's all right. Yeah. Um, we get some more of um, Jim trying to convince Pam to move in with him. She had said earlier, like, I'm not going to move in with anybody unless we're engaged. Jim hasn't proposed yet, but he's still kind of convincing her because she's apartment hunting. Just a little deleted scene. Do you have any others? One last one. Um, Michael tries to set Toby up for failure by bringing him up to the stage. And he tells everybody, 
yeah, he's been working on this speech for a year and it rhymes. And Toby says to all of you, if it's not a good speech, then he wants you to storm the stage and beat him to a bloody pulp. And so he's trying to set up Toby for failure. And so Toby comes up, takes a stand behind the microphone, and he actually gives a couple of lines of verse as a speech. And it rhymes. And it, it, it makes Michael hate him a little bit more, I think. But uh, Toby pulls it off. So he's got some at least small hidden talents. I think last one for me is just a little one. It's Talking Head with Phyllis, where we learn that she and Toby have never actually spoken. Um, <laughs> which now that I think back, I guess I've never seen them speak yeah. in the show. I mean, I can't recall. Um, she says, he seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says there was once where uh, she considered almost talking to him. But then at that point, she figured she already had enough people to talk to. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, no commentary for this episode. So our discussion topic, Chad. Okay, I've got two brief discussion topics. Um, the first is, what do you think made Angela say yes to marrying Andy, or really even just dating him at all at this point? I mean, what what is the attraction there, if there's any attraction? I think originally she dated him because he's the anti-Dwight. Um... And then why she agreed to marry him, I mm, I don't know. I think, well, evidently, she still has feelings for Dwight, or at least physically finds him attractive, uh, given the last shot of the episode. But it seems like she's marrying him out of like vengeance to Dwight, which, mm-hmm. as we all kind of assume, vengeance marriages are not the you know healthiest marriages. Um, it just doesn't i i don't know why she did maybe just to make him jealous i mean does she actually plan on going through with it i don't know um i don't know that i have a good answer to that i think you're right about it initially being sort of a way for her to spite dwight after him basically killing sprinkles um but then i think that andy is a guy who has that personality where he makes it really obvious that he cares about you you know Mm -hmm. and maybe over time of Andy doing everything he can to please her and going out of his way to please her and get her to even consider going on a date with him. Maybe she has fallen for him at least a little bit uh, and doesn't see a future with him outside the realm of possibility. And that's why it's just an okay. You know, I don't think that she says yes to spite Dwight because obviously right afterwards she goes and she uh, has sex with him. But True, it, it yeah. originally started that way. I'm trying to think of how many positive interactions we've seen between Angela and Andy, and I can only really think of Mad Libs. Um, Mad Lib, yeah. And there was when he gave her garbage, regifted garbage, I suppose. Oh, the, yeah. The one that originally made her consider it. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. And then you had a second. I did. Um Sort of along the same lines, I suppose. Why did Michael decide to follow through on meeting up with Jan at the Lamaze or Lamaze class? Because at this point, it's almost a choice between Jan and Holly. Even though he's wanting to take things yeah. slow with Holly, um, committing to Jan and a baby is committing to Jan and a baby. And right. that doesn't leave much room for something romantic with somebody else. I think he. 
more than even finding romantic love, I think he wants a family. Hmm. That might be inaccurate, but I, I feel like he wants kids absolutely first. Not first, but like most. Right. Um, and while this is not his baby, and Jan has made that clear, it's kind of his baby, he thinks. <laughs> and so um, he's just like, oh my gosh, I might be able to kind of be a dad. And so he just rushes to that. Um, we've seen how much he loves kids and uh, how good he is with kids. And I think he just really is excited by the idea of a kid in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that he has thought it out like he can't kind of pursue that and also Holly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think he realizes that he's not just committing to the baby, he's committing to Jan as well, right. which he just got out of. <laughs> um, but maybe she's changed, he might be thinking. I, I don't maybe. know. Um, but I think time. he's really just... It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it's It's been, you know, a while. Last time we saw her, she was not showing. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think he's just really excited about the baby, not not necessarily about Jan. I think that's probably a really smart answer. Um, I, I think back to Take Your Daughter to Work Day in season two, when we saw the clip from Fundle Bundle. And mm-hmm. uh, he talks about how he wants a whole bunch of kids because all of his kids mm-hmm. would be his friends and nobody could say no to being his friend. Uh, right. So, yeah, he, he, he wants a family and for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's spot on. We did get uh, at the end of the DVD uh, last disc of the season. As always, we get a couple of extras. We had a long blooper reel. Um, do you want to mention a couple of your favorite moments from that? And I'll do the same. Yeah, uh, we, we can go back and forth for just a moment. Uh, mm. The first one for me was it's actually like the third or fourth one on the the whole blooper reel where Steve Carell leads everyone in a sing through of the theme song and you got yeah. Ed Helms <laughs> over here dancing and John Krasinski wildly clapping at his desk and a very pregnant Angela Kinsey appearing in the background uh we, yeah. you see her pregnant a couple of times in the uh in the blooper reel where they try mm-hmm. and hide it pretty well in the season itself because Angela Martin isn't pregnant, but Angela Kinsey was during most of, or the second half of the season, I think. Yeah. Um, Dwight at his B&B, or I never know what to call it because he doesn't call it a and b It's not a and b but his hotel, motel, B&B, whatever it is. Um, he's summoning Moe's, uh, which I don't remember this actually happening in the like episode itself but he's summoning Moe's with this tiny little dinky bell um and Moe's coming uh in from outside and there's like a sheer curtain over the glass door and he opens the door and just stands behind it like peeking (laughs) and uh they all break and start laughing but I love Mike Schur we've gone over how much we love Moe's but any scene with Moe's is just gold uh, there's one where Toby walks into Michael's office and says, Hey, Michael, uh, like he's about to say something else. And Michael responds, Oh, Hey, Toby, can you close the door on your way out? <laughs> and Paul, <laughs> Paul Lieberstein just breaks character because it was just like an automatic response. The door opens. Hey, Michael. Oh, Hey, can you close the door on your way out? <laughs> <laughs> that's something that they totally should have kept in. Cause that's amazing. That's yeah, so good. That's great. Um, 
Speaking of Michael and, and Toby, Toby comes in wearing the bow tie. It's, um, oh gosh, what's the episode with Finer Things Club? Um, um, it was this season. Well, obviously. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway. If you can think of it, we'll say, but it's the episode with the Finer Things Club and Toby comes in wearing the bow tie. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that scene, but it's the one where Michael goes, oh, my God, that's where people want to leave. And um, they did get a, a non-broken cut of this. They did use it for the for the episode, but there was a cut, which ended up in the in the blooper reel, where Michael's kind of berating him and uh, Toby just goes. Bow tie. <laughs> and he just says bow tie in like the tiniest voice. And I think it was Rain Wilson that first broke. Yeah. And he was like, he just said bow tie, <laughs> like defending himself, just like, you can't hate it. It was, it was Branch Wars. Yeah. Wow. Good recall. Yeah. Goodness. Well, I, I have uh, office quotes up. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I cheated a little bit that time. <laughs> um, but let's see. I, I really love the one where uh, it was. Okay, now I have to look up this one real quick. A lunch party. Lunch party where they order the pizza and they're asking Michael, is it, which one did you order? Is it Pizza by Alfredo or Alfredo's Pizza Cafe? And Michael pulls out the coupon and he ordered Pizza by Alfredo. And in this uh, blooper, everybody just descends into chaos. Oscar just like drops to the ground and starts writhing. Jim starts beating Andy. Dwight is beating his head on the desk. It's just absolute chaos because Michael ordered the <laughs> the wrong pizza pa- pizza place. <laughs> it's funny. I had that one too as my last one to put. Uh, but uh-huh. the reason I put it that, that it was so funny is because Steve Carell, we've, we've mentioned it in some of the commentaries, I think. Um, or at least they have that Steve Carell is such a professional. He like, he hates to break. He really likes to just push the scene through and try to make it work. And like, maybe they can find something usable from the scene. So when he breaks, it was funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that one where they have the ridiculously over the top reactions, he manages not to break for like eight or 10 seconds. He like watches them and presumably he didn't know that they were going to do that. And he just, deadpanned and then eventually breaks because he's human but um (laughs) i love watching steve carell break first because i'm like Mm -hmm. you're oh i just love him so much he's just so good (laughs) my favorite is when john krasinski breaks first because he puts his hands over his face and he does like (laughs) (laughs) he tries to like save the scene (laughs) what was the one there was a blooper um oh it was where it was for the last uh, episode, I guess, where Troy comes in. Oh, that, and that was so good. That was such a good one. Troy comes <laughs> in, and it's the one where, where Dwight says, may you fight with the strength of a thousand full-grown men or whatever. <laughs> and John Krasinski just, like, he catches himself, and he's like, mm, mm. <laughs> he's, like, trying not to laugh. It's so good. And, and he, stand, he, like, manages to compose himself, and he, like, stands up and goes to walk towards... Pam and he goes, No, I can't do it. <laughs> he like That oh, reminds me of a, a deleted or a blooper from I think season two or three when uh Dwight is writing poems for Angela and he writes You're evil <laughs> like a hobbit and they both and just, just <laughs> completely crack up. <laughs> I think those two are good friends in real life. They have I think to so be because they just they crack up at the same stuff. 
Uh, I have one more to mention because this one I had to rewind and rewatch a few times. And it's actually the very last one on the blooper reel where Michael walks in from his office and says, I have some good news. And Stanley just shouts, we get to go home. <laughs> and everybody and that got loses Steve it. Yeah. yeah, it was so good. It was so good. I, I had to go back several times. Because he's such a quiet character. Like he never, <laughs> with the exception of screaming at like Ryan, yeah. doesn't ever lose his, his cool. And uh, that was fun to see. Mm-hmm. We got two more uh, little extras. One was not little at all. Um, one was a 51-minute taping of what was an office convention. They had mm-hmm. all the writers, like a, it was like a Q&A, essentially, with the writers. Um, I wrote down who was in it. We had Greg Daniels, Lee Eisenberg, Mike Schur, Jennifer Salata, Justin Spitzer, Ryan Coe who he said he had not written anything yet. Um, so I guess we'll be seeing some of his stuff, his stuff coming up. Gene Stipnitsky, Jason Keslin, I believe was the name. I looked him up. I couldn't find a lot of information. He mumbled. Not sure I got his name right. Minda Kalig, BJ Novak, Lester Lewis, Anthony Farrell, and Ken Sabornik was the other one. He was the last one. Again, not positive on that name. Uh, not sure on the spelling, so I wasn't able to Google him very well, but those were the guys uh, and two ladies in the writer's mm-hmm. block um, convention thing. 51 minutes. It's actually all on YouTube. So you don't oh, even yeah. need the DVD. Go find that. Uh, some cool information in there. Yeah, I, I really like um, their writing process because it seems similar to shows like Breaking Bad from what I've seen, where they all the writers get in a room together and they brainstorm ideas. And once they've come up with the basic outline for an episode, they have somebody actually go and write that episode that everybody else mm-hmm. has sort of collaborated coming up with the pieces. Um, now that's Breaking Bad that I'm making the comparison to. I'm, I'm assuming it's something similar because uh, they've sort of alluded to stuff like that in the commentaries mm-hmm. before. But yeah, 51 minutes. I'm sure it's fascinating. Yeah. I haven't have... seen all of it. I watched a few minutes, but I am going to go finish that. I didn't have time before today's recording, but yeah. I am going to go watch that. And then we have one more uh, bonus feature that was on the disc. It was called the Summer Vacation Promo. So I guess this was uh, to promote the return of the season after uh, the season three break or season three finale. Um, mm-hmm. And all the characters are in character. It's everybody in character talking about what they did in between the two seasons, between season three and season four. Um, did you have any favorites from that? Did you write down or? I did. I wrote down one. Okay, good. Um, and you might even be able to guess who it is. My favorite was Creed. He goes, <laughs> turns out I have grandkids and kids. <laughs> Genius writing to put it in that order. Yeah. What about um, yours? What was your favorite? I, I wrote down two. The first one was Ryan saying, you know, everything's changed. I don't really remember much about Scranton. I think I dated a black girl. And then it <laughs> immediately cuts to the next one where Kelly is just like lying under her desk, sobbing because her world has collapsed. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Ryan. <laughs> right. And then right after that, we go to Toby. And I think there was actually a version of this that made it into an episode or a deleted scene somewhere where Toby says, yeah, Kelly's been so upset about Ryan dumping her that she can't even talk. And he looks really, really pleased. Like, I think man, that was it's, a deleted it's been real scene. Nice. Yeah, I think yeah, we, it, we, it we talked about something. that in some way, but yeah. uh, I'm, I was glad it made it into that promo as well. I think that's it for today. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Season four, we made it. 
Yeah. Ooh, we have uh till season nine, so yeah, we're <laughs> we're getting there. Of course this was an abbreviated season with the rider strike, but mm-hmm. full length seasons from here on out. Um yeah. Uh, season five is long. I think it takes us all it the way long. into September or something like that. Like I'll have oh, ended wow. this school year and started another one by the time we finish season five. So that's crazy wow. to me. But uh, yeah, it's a long looking one. forward to and it. We're gonna season be like, five is also a really good one. We're deep in the office now. I mean, this is like. This is. Probably the high point, I think, for a lot of people, this is mm-hmm. their prime office. Um, Maybe season three to five. So we're and in the end good of stuff. season five is the halfway point of the show, too. So we're very nearly uh, at the halfway point of all of it, which is crazy to think, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the end of our official 39th episode of An American Workplace. You can contact 38th. us at Facebook. You know, I read that. <laughs> it still came out 39th. <laughs> it's okay. Yep, it's fine. Let's try that again. It's the <laughs> the end of the official 38th episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate and review and subscribe on iTunes if you care for it. Uh, we're also on Spotify now. I don't know if uh, we had mentioned that in the past. Uh, anything more about that, Chad? Um, no, nothing. It's just, it's on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and you're a Spotify user, you can search in American workplace and we pop up there now. And uh, I checked yesterday and it's all up to date. So if you like Spotify or if you know people who prefer Spotify to other services, uh, send them that way. And also worth noting since, since you mentioned it, uh, all of our episodes are currently posted on YouTube as well. If you want another way to share the show with people and you can timestamp specific moments if you wanted to or whatever you want to do there's plenty of options for you to share the show if you feel it's worth it you can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white best place to find me is at chadadada on twitter that is c-h-a-d-a-d-a-d-a also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and there's my other podcast, Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. You can find that where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. Shoutouts to Benjamin Carter and Dan Lefebvre for being our latest Patreon supporters. Thank you all very much. And uh, you get video, Katie and Chad, today. Um, yeah. This was fun. Maybe something we'll, uh, we'll kind of keep playing with. So. Uh, we got over the distracting factor of actually <laughs> seeing each other for the first time in like since 2014. Yeah, it's been a while. So, <laughs> hey, Chad. Hi. Um, yeah, so thank you guys very much for, uh, for supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, and if you do want a shout out or more in American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, if you want to see like all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into an episode, Logo stickers will go out once we have just a few more uh, people so I can send them all out at once. Uh, Bonus episodes, we will be concluding, or I say concluding, we'll be catching up and doing season four trivia uh, for this week's bonus episode. And then our live streams. You can do all those things by subscribing for at least a dollar on our Patreon page, but you can subscribe for whatever level you think is worth it for you. 
And that website is patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 38 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 39 for our discussion on the first two episodes of season five, Weight Loss, parts one and two. Bye. Bye.